0: Hello, everyone
1: here, Maureen Quende, your podcast host, learning leader, researcher, speaker, coach, author, and consultant. I'm also the CEO and founder of EMK Learning Solutions, LLC. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Another exciting episode this week for another um, empowering episode with our special guest, E.J. LeBlanc. But before I introduce the guests, I want to take a moment to really extend my appreciation to you all for being a fan of this podcast. I'm so grateful to you. I mean, taking the time every week to listen. I see the downloads. I see the comments. I see you guys sharing it out there. I really appreciate all the love and uh, this keeps us going and it means a whole lot to me and other fans. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, drum roll, <laughs> let me introduce our special guest, E.J. Thank you so much, E.J., for honoring our invitation to be on the show. So to get us started, can you introduce yourself? I'm, I'm sure our guests are dying to know who you are. And so please go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for being a forward thinker, willing to listen to new ideas, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, innovation is hard, and yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I. But my name is EJ LeBlanc, and I am a human learning and performance architect. I've been working in the uh, learning and performance, learning and development mm-hmm. industry. Uh, in one form or fashion for at least since 2010, but I would argue from 2005 to 2010, I was an English teacher. And then before that I was in the Navy where one of my primary responsibilities was uh, training and education uh, for Mm -hmm. my crew and division, uh, specifically in regards to complex systems such as the AMBQR-22, And a Mm -hmm. number of other things. So ever since then, I've been working in a wide variety of industries such as, oh, I did projects for, you know, working with other companies. I did a project for Disney. I've done work for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, the Air Force, uh, the, uh, you know, all sorts of different government and private entities. I was very fortunate to work with Dr. Paula Elliott uh, with a, a couple of projects with Citizens Bank. And uh, so a wide variety of commercial uh, uh, and government entities. So I'm really, really delighted to, uh, to be here and just share. That's
1: exciting. You have a very interesting background and a lot of experience. In different areas so versus just the one area so that brings in like you know um so you have like so much of multiple talent i would say so thank you and I, and I know like i have shared on this show how i got into learning and development i know you've mentioned just a little bit but for me i got into this field accidentally you know where i was uh, i was you know, I had the opportunity to become a corporate trainer. And then from there, I got into this field. But if you want to you know, learn about how I got into L&D, you can check out episode two of the show to learn more. And so how about you, EJ? How did you get into L&D? Can you just share with us briefly your
0: journey? Sure. Uh, so back in the Navy, uh, my fir- I show up to my first battle station missile and uh, show up to the sonar room and i wonder where i'm supposed to sit and these guys said uh i say what do i sit i said sit there nub nub <laughs> means non-useful body it's so, <laughs> anyone that's in the navy that doesn't have uh their dolphins or their qualification pen mm-hmm. uh submarine qualification pen, uh warfare qualification they're not able to uh to they're not considered a useful body until mm-hmm. they get that watch standing completed. So I sat down at this uh station and I'm like, what is this thing? I've never seen it before. And it says it doesn't matter. It's useless. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, I looked at the bottom of this thing and it said, AMBQR. By golly, I'm gonna be the best AMBQR22 Alpha operator ever. And so in addition to regular ships, qualifications, I scoured the ship because no one knew anything about this system. Mm-hmm. And I found these CD ROMs and I was able to put them in the computer, uh, in the, uh, array handling space. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, did you know this thing? Shut up. No, <laughs> and no one was <laughs> willing to listen, but I took the, uh, the, the, the apprentice, the journeyman, and the, uh, uh, master level courses mm-hmm. for, uh, 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 I, I went through all three of those courses and I did that in three weeks mm-hmm. and I shared all of, I tried to share all the wonders of what I was learning, but every battle stations I went to, I sat quietly in the corner and kept on getting better and better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was determined to be the very best that I could be. And about a year and a half later, uh, uh, there one midwatch. I show up. I've got my dolphins. I'm a fully qualified member of the crew, no longer a non-useful body. And I <laughs> show up, and there's this. Uh, uh, it's one weird midwatch because the lights are on auto- automatically, weird, and the screens are all dark. This is a catastrophe. What's going on? Uh, and we're blind. Uh, the sonar sonar system for the submarine is not working. And so uh, they're complaining about not being able to see and how they've gone through all the power supplies for that particular unit that was broken. And I look over at my baby, it's working like a champ. So I sat down, put on my headphones and said, Senator Supervisor gains uh, spherical ray demonstrates bearing 314 classified. And hey, I had everyone's attention and I knew that my baby, the BQR22 was Mm -hmm. specifically made as a redundant system for such a, such a eventuality. So I spent the next 24 hours teaching people everything I knew and how to operate. we were able to stay at sea. We were able to, it was a very big deal for our boat.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, And I, so that was the thing that I loved about, uh, uh, about my career in the Navy was learning a complex system and teaching it Mm -hmm. to other people in a moment of need. And ever wow. since then, that's the thing that I loved. I said, well, what do I love to do? I don't want to like be a technician per se. What, what what else is there? What do I need to do? And if I would have known about instructional system design, I would have gravitated immediately towards that. Mm-hmm. Like what? You get to make these e-learning CD-ROMs? Sign me up. Uh, but the thing that I loved was reading, thinking, and teaching, um, mm-hmm. and writing. I loved writing. I still do. And uh, so I said, hey, let me go ahead and be an English teacher. And so I, I did that. And specifically, uh, I the, the, the environment that I taught in uh, mm-hmm. focused a lot on rote memorization and a lot of other things that I thought were anathema to uh, what it means to be actually educated, to, to have mm-hmm. the ability to read, write, and think. Uh, and so I felt like I, my job was to be a culture changer and mm-hmm. specifically to go after that, I went after my master's in instructional system design at the mm-hmm. University of South Alabama and failed miserably in my efforts to change the culture in that environment. <laughs> the final straw was whenever people were insulting each other with Elizabethan English in the hallway. And um, uh, when kids, my kids were, and they banned Romeo and Juliet. And I said, mm-hmm. You need to tell me that my kids were out the, out the, Using Elizabethan language that I taught them, and they were using it in real life. <laughs> they said, "Wow!" Yes, they we're banning Romeo and Juliet. And I said, "I'm not coming back next year." And very fortunately, at that exact time, I was able to go work. Uh, uh, you know, prov- providentially, I was able to go work uh, literally across the street with the Coast Guard mm-hmm. base. Uh, I'm skipping a few steps here. Uh, but I was able to go work with the Coast Guard. I was able to work for the Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was able to both as the, uh, at the center for domestic preparedness and at the aviation training center in Mobile, Alabama. And I never looked back, uh, I've always been helping, uh, various customers learn how to, I, I've, I always love projects where I'm able to mm-hmm. understand a complex system. And then teach other people in a moment of need.
1: Wow, that's an incredible journey. And you've mentioned a few things here: being interested in being a culture changer, and now working with different organizations. You know, trying to um, make an impact. And then I've also, you know, I understand I have that experience where you're trying to change all these things and it doesn't happen. Like, what do you do? You just have to move on, and see where you know you can work with um, other organizations that can embrace that because it depends on the culture, right? So mm-hmm. I know you've experienced that, and and you also mentioned something that was interesting. Uh, that you're a great writer, and I've seen like your blogs, and I've seen your articles that you write for the Chief Learning Officer magazine. That's very interesting. So, <laughs> anyone who wants to check you out, yeah, can can uh, I can attest to that that you're a great writer. So, I really you. appreciate
0: I, I really really appreciate your affirmation. Lately, I've been trying to uh, find my voice. And and, uh, I I need that feedback. So thank you.
1: Yeah, it's great. So now, you know, when I I know about your journey and I know um, how far you've come, and by the way, um, EJ and I have a a lot in common where we're not just, you know, L&D consultants, but we both obtain our chief learning officer executive certification from just Judge Mason's uh, business school. So Um, that's very exciting. (laughs) We can talk about that all day, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. So I know like we've talked about um, what's the focus of today's podcast about the intersectionality of learning and development and DevOps. Like I know what it is, but I'm sure our listeners would be, what is that? What is DevOps? So do you want to just share something
0: about that? Sure. Uh, DevOps, according to Donovan Brown, uh, Microsoft uh, partner program manager, he says that DevOps is the union of people, process, and products to enable continuous delivery of value to our end users. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again, the union of people, process, and products to enable continuous delivery of value to our end users. And so out of all of those, which was the most important? Is it process? Is it the products or is it the people? And Donovan Donovan says, uh, out of all of the most difficult, it's certainly people. You've got to underline that. You've got to put it in red. You've got to you've got to bold boldface that because that is where it will get you every time. And so, mm-hmm. DevOps is is not just about the process and the products. Uh, it's not just about uh, DevOps is short for. Uh, uh, software development and it Mm -hmm. operations. And -hmm. most people think that it's about the technology and it's really not, it's about how the people, the process and the products work together to enable continuous delivery of our value to our end users. And much like, you know, today there's still 17% of the world that doesn't have electricity. So Mm -hmm. we, we take that for granted. Uh, uh, but there's still, not whenever you have a revelation or this industry changing world, changing event. the so it doesn't immediately affect everything. It starts to cycle out. It starts to like ripples in a pond. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, those waves that are being generated by DevOps are going to affect communications professionals and learning professionals. And um, uh, that's. That's why I feel like it's really important that we start talking about that as soon as possible.
1: That's uh, exciting. You know, many years ago I worked for a government agency and my role was uh, more like a Scrum Master where I used to, you know, uh, everything was about agile, Scrum, uh, working with a a team of developers. And and I recall um, the collaboration across the various teams, how it happened. And I can see how uh, people can function in silos in this area. So, thinking about what you just shared, I call it DevOps, and you call it DevOps. I'm probably saying it the other way around. But okay. thinking about what you just shared about DevOps, I see how it can uh, benefit our system and how we can leverage it in uh, learning and development. So, um, and it's also going to help you know break down silos and, and enhance collaboration. Those are some of the benefits I'm thinking that it can even impact our world. So what do you think about that? What are your thoughts?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and that's the main the main crux of the issue is that if we focus on what DevOps will do in terms of automation, uh, it's going to break down silos across an organization's value mm-hmm. stream. And so the three ways of DevOps are flow, how, a profound understanding of how work flows through a system, feedback mm-hmm. how uh, from the, the end customer all the way to the, uh, to, to the original supplier, mm-hmm. getting feedback all the way through that value stream. And then through that feedback, you're giving psychological safety. You're giving people the ability to be themselves. You're giving people the ability to express their needs in a vulnerable way. Uh, uh, and then th- through that, you're able to create the third way which is a culture of experimentation and learning. Mm-hmm. And so we think, oh, well, learn, we're learning professionals. Well, sh- it shifts completely. This is learning like Peter Senge talks about in the fifth discipline. Mm-hmm. It's learning not by sage from the stage, drop a didactic knowledge bombs through PowerPoint. In fact, learning professionals in the future and should be now, it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that, again, the ripples in the pond haven't spread out yet. Uh, uh, we're no longer the uh, sages from the stage dropping didactic knowledge bombs through PowerPoint. We don't, we don't capture the source of truth. Our mm-hmm. job as learning professionals will be to certify job competency uh, that they're able to perform the accomplishments that deliver value to the to the business. Yeah. To quote David Marquet, we don't brief, we certify. And so, well, what does that? Who who's capturing the technical documentation? Who's capturing the 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 source of truth? Well, that's what communications professionals do and so Mm -hmm. they across the value stream partner with each one of the work silos capture that voice of management capture the voice of the customer capture uh and then promote that through the value stream to the point that when a systems engineer updates what their system is it uh you know said it could be a car it could be Mm -hmm. a submarine imaging system it could be whatever, whatever it is. The second that the systems engineer updates that system, all of the models that are affected by that, both the 3D models and the mm-hmm. data models, right? The enterprise architecture models or frameworks that's referred to in model-based systems engineering, that source of truth gets updated. And all of the parties that have a have a hand in that, they're automatically updated. And so I show up to work one day and yesterday this critical system was updated and I am okay with that because my job isn't to wonder about exactly all of the didactic, the didactic declarative knowledge instances mm-hmm. that's automatically communicated and captured by the source, by the communications professionals. My job is to make sure that people are able to apply, that they're able mm-hmm. to transfer, that they're able yeah. to in uh, the moment of need, b- perform that task, and whatever that particular situation calls for is it by using augmented reality glasses is it by c- c- asking everyone to don their goggles and actually go through the experience of building the the learning building the actual uh system uh mm-hmm. or using the actual system in an operational manner uh, in an operational context uh we could do things that we weren't able to do before we're able to actually assess psychomotor skills in an automated way mm-hmm. b- using using uh uh, augmented reality and virtual reality technologies. This is something that was not possible even 10 years ago. So the our role as learning professionals is going to go back to our roots to make sure that people are certifying job accomplishment. And this is really mm-hmm. what it should have, it should have as to quote uh, Conrad Gofferson and, and uh, Mosher, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Mosher, it should have always been about apply. It should have always been about how do we get them to, how do we get our learners to be able to apply these things? And automation technologies not only help us to do that, but they actually help us to figure out, uh, uh, like there's this, uh, tool right now called Abby. Mm-hmm. And within, once you get that framework installed, you're able to know within moments, mm-hmm. uh, literally moments, uh, how your business is doing, how, uh, what your what your constraints to uh, the value stream are mm-hmm. and you're able to hone in on who who needs that specific training and learning intervention. Who needs that? Uh, you, you, who needs that performance checklist?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, do
0: we need to create this massive training course to teach everyone in the whole industry? Or do we can, can we focus in on just the people that actually need that particular uh, learning and performance intervention? Uh, we are able to have that data in, in nearly real time now. That by itself is revolutionary, but it's the heart of why I feel like we should be having what, what, what Caldo hopes, the Caldo framework hopes to achieve is to be able to break down those silos in such a way that we could all communicate, and we could all learn and find that third way of, of DevOps to have that culture of experimentation and learning.
1: Wow. I definitely agree that um, from an L&E perspective, right, if we're focusing more on application um, performance, you know, being able to help our learners transfer knowledge, apply them, um, encourage collaboration and break down silos, it's going to be even a more fulfilling uh, experience for them and impact the business in a positive way. So, I would really want to hear more about the Cardiff framework that you just mentioned. And, and how do you think um, we can really benefit? How else do you think we can benefit from it in our field?
0: Um, So I, I, I feel like the the biggest thing that we could benefit from is just by knowing what each other's needs are, because Mm -hmm. if, if those, those are being captured and communicated, then we as learning professionals, whenever we build a learning intervention, whatever that is, be it the e-learning course, we're going to know at the start mm-hmm. what, the, what, what we're trying to achieve is. And then we're going to know automatically the analysis and evaluation portions will be um, uh, doable. Like right now, five less than five percent of organizations determine actually use, you know, uh, Jack and Patty Phillips ROI mm-hmm. model. It's super difficult if you don't have the infrastructure in place to be able to to show that you're actually delivering value in a scientific manner, mm-hmm. uh, and show causality, right? Uh, yeah, and so. If you're able to get to that, if you're able to deliver not only results, but also provide the return on investment and see that in real time, uh, that makes some people nervous because they're no longer going to be able to hide, uh, right? But anyone that's actually wanting to deliver value, to, which is our job, uh, uh, is is rejoicing. And I feel like that's the thing. Right now, most learning and performance professionals our fleas at the tail of the dog at the value stream, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're we're way at the very end of the process. Yeah. This uh, DevOps provides learning and human learning and performance professionals and communications professionals the time to be invaluable business partners all the way across yes. the value stream. We we will help the organization achieve its mission, and we will be able to demonstrate that empirically, time and time again, and mm-hmm. and uh, in a faithful relationship. Uh, uh, So I think that that's the biggest thing.
1: I think, um, you know, many times when uh, people are looking at their budgets and they're always thinking L&Ds, you know, doesn't add value. And then they're always like the first people that they're thinking of. Um, you know, cutting off or outsourcing or whatever. But once we're able to really show num- show the numbers that we're really adding value, we're contributing to the business outcomes, um, this is just going to really put us forward. And that's how I see L&D, the future of L&D, um, how we're even more impactful, how we're even more relevant, even our decision-making process and everything. So looking at it from this perspective, applying the CARDO framework, and uh, looking at how we can embrace DevOps. because some people might be thinking, oh, it's just an IT thing, but it's really not. You know the way you've explained it is something that we, we can really explore and improve on what we currently do. And hopefully in the near future, we would be speaking this language of collaboration, the language of performance, improvement in mind, not just creating stuff, but how can we uh, improve what, it, what currently exists, How can we, breakdown silos, how can we uh, make an impact in the organization such that they can see what we're adding as value to them? So okay. this is very, very exciting. I'm glad you know what you're working on and it's really exciting. And so uh, I, I want to you know ask if someone would like to you know um, connect with you because you're really adding value to our community, writing you know all those things that you're doing, how can our listeners find you to explore more about this interesting topic
0: um well i, I think first and foremost please sign up uh at caldo.academy uh go to mm-hmm. caldo.academy and sign up on the email list i'm working on the course uh, a couple of courses that teach people about this framework uh okay. specifically on how human learning and performance professionals and communications professionals can thrive in, in the uh, era of DevOps. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, please let me know your thoughts. Uh, if you have particular problems or if you would like to uh, solve a particular business problem uh, in your particular context using the Kelda framework, uh, uh, give, me an, give me a call. Or send out a tweet to me at EJ LeBlanc. And you could also reach me at EJ at EJLeBlanc.com. As an email address i really appreciate uh, the opportunity to get this information out there marine thank you
1: that's awesome you know i i feel like talking to you all day and i i always enjoy our conversations and i enjoy this one and i believe so have our listeners uh but you know we've come to the end of the podcast and i would like you to wrap us up as we always wrap up our podcast with our signature question what does empowerment mean to you? So if I'm speaking mm. to a leadership coach or a consultant or an L&D professional, I'll ask that question. So then I want to ask you, what does empowerment mean to you as an LD and uh, you know DevOps um, consultant?
0: Thank you. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to find my voice. Uh, and, th- and Stephen Covey, he talks about uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. And he says in a, a follow-up book, there's the eighth habit where you go from just being effective or highly mm-hmm. effective to being great. Uh, and he says that the eighth habit is to find your voice and mm-hmm. then help others find theirs. And so I, I feel like I, what I would like to, what I would l- like to do is to have my voice and find my voice and help others to share and find theirs. And I think that if I'm helping others to do that in that exact process, that's empowerment. That's great. And by
1: you doing that, it's great to empower, uh, a compounding effect where as you're empowering others, they go ahead and empower other people. And that's how we change our world. So that's a beautiful way of wrapping us up today. I want to thank you so much. You do incredible work. And I want to wish you the best of luck in our field and also in your personal and professional life. I'd like to hear more in the future about Caldo Framework, how it's working. And uh, to our listeners out there, I hope you've learned a lot today. And I also want to say, just be safe and be well. And I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks, AJ. Thank you all for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye.